Amen. I love the house of God because I believe, you know, this is the final, the final stage of hope. There is no hope anywhere else. Um, man keeps trying to fix himself. Man keeps inventing new things to help us through life's journey. Man keeps studying and amassing knowledge, trying to fix himself. Our societies are a reflection of that. Technology is a reflection of that. You go to school, it reflects that. Everybody has an idea of something lacking in their lives, and so there's all these different concepts to fix us, but we're failing because there's no hope out there. There's no hope in man's mind that can save man. No, sir. The only hope that we have is in these type of gatherings. The only change that will take place is in these kind of gatherings. It's only when God's children, when God's chosen, when God's holy ones, this peculiar people, this royal priesthood, it's only when these people come together and assemble and focus on Jesus and call upon the Lord's name, it's when these people, me and you, when we come together and commit our hearts to Jesus on behalf of our communities, then only is there hope. Then only is there opportunity for change. Outside of that, there is no hope. I'm glad to be here with you. Thank you, beloved, to the leadership pastor, the elders, the deacons, for allowing me to just come and stand before you and just share God's word. Um, I'm going to come off the stage now. Thanks for the liberty you'll give us, you know, Wendy and myself, to just come here freely and speak to you as a family. Um, I just, I was telling Wendy the other day, I need to just schedule, you know, a time where I can just come and just, you know, sit and receive and not come as a preacher only, but just come as a, as a family member, you know, and just uh, rejoice in God's presence with you. I always say this, and I really do mean it, you know, the songs that we sing at this church are unique. They are fading away. Folks don't sing these songs in churches anymore. Uh, again, it's man meddling, meddling, trying to modernize and synthesize different sounds, you know, to try and reach different uh, groups. And I'm going to repeat this. Man's interference is not hope. Man's interference cannot take us anywhere. It's God's presence that we need. It's God's word that we need. It's the undiluted word of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the love of God. It's the concentrated power of God we need in our country, in our homes, in our schools, at work, everywhere. We need this in our marriages, relationships, friendships, 
We need this element of purity to enter in there to give us change. Generation, there's been no other generation other than this one that needs God so much. I was speaking to James early on when I first came and we were talking about how we're losing the youth. We really are losing our youth. Uh, we're losing them to technology. We're losing them to parties. We're losing them to so many different things. Um, and again, it's because man's hand is too far in, busy, busy, fiddling. No, uh, we've got to make a stand and involve Jesus in our lives. We've got to involve Jesus in the lives of the young people and trust God for something to happen. Uh, I'm a believer of this. Uh, I don't believe in compromising uh, the word of God. I believe you've got to apply this. Uh, if you're a father, you're you a parent, uh, you're a leader, you know, you're a young man, young woman, I'm telling you, uh, what you need is this, God's word. You know, I know you're eyeing your dad's inheritance, you know, <laughs> That's going to fade away. You need the word of God. This will guarantee you life eternal. This will guarantee you a future in the kingdom of heaven. This will guarantee you uh, a map, a pathway through this earthly life. This will guarantee you a breakthrough. This will be more than a diploma. It'll be more than any degree you can ever get. It'll be more than any money left in inheritance for you. It'll be more than any single thing, the word of God. If you can master and take this word of God and apply it into your life, I can guarantee you change, 100%. The word of God, not just read. The word of God applied. The word of God consumed. The word of God memorized. The word of God acted upon. The word of God used on a day-to-day -day basis. Over and over and over. And when you get to the end, you know what? Again, the word of God over and over until it's boring. And you're like, God, this word is boring. Holy Spirit, illuminate this word to my mind. Let it come alive again. And guess what? As you would breathe upon that word of God in your life, again, life comes in and you do it over and over until you're an old man or an old woman because the power of this word is, man, you can't measure this power. The penetration that this word makes cannot be measured, cannot be compared to anything. The word of God applied to our lives. The only hope that we have. I look forward when the saints come together because I know among the saints there's wisdom. There's encouragement. There's joy. There's peace. I'm not a hater of social media. Social media is a good mechanism. It's a good means to communicate and contact everybody else. But I've got to say you've got to lace social media if you're on social media with the word incorporate the word there judges chapter 13 judges chapter 13 verses 1 and also turn to the book of isaiah isaiah chapter 14 reading from verses 12 keep your fingers there and we'll pray 
Father, we come again before you this morning in Jesus' name, thanking you for another day you've given us. Thanking you for this opportunity, God, to just share your word and allow this word to enter our hearts and give us change, uh, much needed change. We all need change, God. Is that song that we sing all the time that says, Father God, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me. And so, God, I stand here before you and I'm saying it's me, oh God. I need this word to bring change and transformation to myself. And so, God, we pray that let this word come forth in power, in love, in might, and allow this word to give permanent change, oh God, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Judges chapter 13, verse 1, reads thus, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren, and she bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren, and thou bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. Verse 5. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. If we could turn to Isaiah 14, verses 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I'll just jump to Luke chapter 10 quickly. Verse 18. Jesus says, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Now, many people are in denial of this. And why I read Isaiah um, was because Jesus gave an account, the prophets gave an account that Satan was kicked out of heaven. And Satan landed on the earth. This basically painting us a picture that in and among us is another presence. In and among us is another personality. The devil. He is alive. He's in our communities. And he's active. Jesus wants us to be aware of this. That's why he mentions it in Luke chapter 10, verse 18. He says, I saw him as lightning. hit the ground. He's on earth. Do not be ignorant of this fact. At the schools that you go to, young man, he's there. At the parties and festivals that we have, he's there. At the footy match, he's there. In our families, 
that home setting, he's there. He's always going around <clears throat> like a roaring lion, the Bible tells us, seeking somebody to destroy, seeking to devour someone's dream. In our marriages, there he is agitating, trying to create a problem. That's why we get divorces. That's why we get separations, because he's there. In the family settings, he is there. That's why we get child abuse. We get all these evil factors because the enemy is there, agitating, always conspiring, coming up with a new idea, a new ideology to take from you. The young people are going astray today in their masses because the enemy is there. He's using whatever means at his disposal. He's using the law, the legal system. He is there agitating, trying to take away your teenage years, to rob you of your young adult years. He is there to take, take, and take. As an adult, the enemy is there. He's using sickness, disease. He's using financial dependence, taking away your money. He is there agitating. He's working hard. He's had a head start of a few years, decades and decades to plan ahead, strategize, and try to take away from you. Our communities are in trouble because he is there trying to rob us, to take from us. I want you to be aware of the fact that there is a presence that's there that's targeting you. He's using anything, technology, the law. Now, the nature of my job working at the prison, I'm at the front end of seeing the destruction of this force. First hand, I see the effects of this drug called ice. I see these young men coming in and their minds are gone. They mentally, they're insane. They're psychotic. The crimes they commit, they're not held to account for them because of mental health issues as a result of the drugs that they take because the enemy stalked them to a point where he got them in disobedience to God and they gave in to their lust for drugs and as a result their minds are broken. The enemy is there and he wants to take from you. Murderers come in. When you interview them, why did you kill? I had too much to drink. Because the enemy is there. Men turn on your children. Prey on your own kids because the enemy has come in and snatched away morality, decency, robbed them of their humanity. And now they're like caged animals there and we got to handle them. Because the enemy is alive, he's effective, and he wants to take from you. And every single attempt of man to try to fix themselves is not working. It's failing. No matter what man tries to do, fail. They tell me at the jail, Mr. Jordan, I tried to do this, I tried to alcohol, I tried drugs, I tried to do, I was looking for peace, and it's failed them. 
I tried to educate myself if perhaps if I learned more, I would uh, be able to suppress this evil desire in my heart to touch my children. But they fail because man's attempt to fix themselves is poor. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. I want to reinforce the fact that the only hope for you and for me is Jesus. For a healthy marriage, guess what? You need Jesus. For a healthy childhood, guess what? You need Jesus. Hearing about him is not enough. Coming to church and being in his presence is not enough. You've got to apply his principles. You've got to apply his word. You've got to apply his precepts to your life for change to take place. I don't mean because I hang out with millionaires, I'm a millionaire myself. You could very well come into the house of God, have a lovely time, go out and be unchanged. The challenge to society today, the challenge for our children today, the challenge for parents today, the challenge for every person today is to apply the precepts and the commandments of the word of God to their lives to see change. The devil is roaming. He's going around and he's destroying you may be part of the sheepfold, but are you submitting to the shepherd in your heart? That's the challenge. You may be faithful at church, but are you faithful to Jesus when you're by yourself? The Bible speaks of a time when Israel once again disobeyed God. We read in the book of Judges chapter 13. And the Bible says the Philistines were once again oppressing them. Slaves, one more time. But God heard their cry. And so God began a, a plan of deliverance for them. He speaks to Manoah's wife and says to her, you barren, but guess what? You will conceive and you'll bear a child. It'll be a son, a boy. This boy will begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. But he says to her, now, that's the King James Version that I have. He says in the King James Version, beware. He says to this lady, beware. Because the deliverer you have, you will have inside of you, is, his purpose is so great. The need is so great. You've got to be careful of this treasure you've got inside of you. Beware. Don't take no strong drink. Beware. You've got to watch because this treasure you have inside of you is unique. He will be a Nazarite. A Nazarite means he's not just a typical Israelite. He's not just a typical uh, person. He's not just a boy next door. No, he's got a unique purpose. He's a Nazarite, which means that he's got certain principles by which he's got to carry himself. He cannot cut his hair. No razor shall touch his head. He cannot look upon or touch a dead carcass. He cannot have strong drink. This deliverer you have inside of you, his purpose is so great that the way he walks has got to be soft. It's a narrow path he's got to be on. 
the path he's got to be on will have to be a straight path. He's got to walk softly in the Lord's presence. Brother Johnny, what are you talking about? How does it relate to me in the 21st century? You see, you and I this morning, we are the hope for Australia. Believe it or not. We are the hope for our classmates in university. We are the hope for our colleagues at work. We are the hope for our neighbors in our community. We are the hope for the masses that are dying on their way to hell. We are that hope. But in order for me and you to be their hope and take them out of the clutches of the evil one, in order for you and I to counter the power of the devil in this time, we have got to walk a narrow path. We have got to walk a straight path. We have got to guard ourselves against the powers of the enemy. We have got to resist temptation. We have got to overcome the difficulties that face us. It's no use being a lifesaver if you cannot swim. Have you ever heard of a lifesaver that could not swim? It makes no sense. You've got to be the best swimmer. Why? Because you've got to save so many others. So you and I are called to a higher calling. You and I have a greater challenge in our hands. We can see the enemy coming. The world cannot. They are blind. They are ignorant to the fact. They try and clutch on straws and do different things to help themselves because they don't know. What was the Lord's prayer? Forgive them for they know not what they do. They have been blinded. They have eyes but they cannot see. They have ears but they cannot hear. Who becomes the hope? You and I. The peculiar ones. The royal priesthood. The chosen generation. But brother Johnny, I'm not a preacher. Well, guess what? You can bake a cake, can't you? <laughs> Get into your kitchen, bake a cake, invite somebody over. Speak to them about Jesus. Oh, brother Johnny, I can't bake. Well, you can play music, can't you? Get onto that guitar, play music, bring them over. Tell them of the goodness of Jesus. The world is going to hell swiftly. The path is broad. The road is wide. Heaven's gates are getting wider and wider. They need somebody who knows the truth. They need somebody who knows what to say. They need somebody who has seen the end and says, you know what? That way is taking you to hell, but this way is taking you to Jesus. And guess what? You are that hope. I want to encourage you that Jesus Christ has overcome the world already. And because he has overcome the world, you too have overcome the world. Now you've got to share. Yep. Oh man, this burden. Yes, it is. You have got to lead others to Jesus now. Angel of the Lord speaks to Manoah's wife and tells her that which you have inside of you will begin to deliver Israel. How frightening is that? She's got that responsibility. Not just that. He says, beware. Beware. That which you got inside of you is a precious gift. It's not just anything. 
You see, the Jesus Christ you've got in your heart, he is precious, he's unique to this world. Don't ever undermine the power of God that's inside of you. Don't ever look down and think, you know what? Science and technology has overcome and have created so much success. No, no, no. The power you've got inside of you can supersede the power of science. The words that proceed from your lips are able to break chains and fetters. By you telling a soul about the love of God, you are able to break generational curses over their lives. You are able to break evil thoughts in their lives and lead a soul to Jesus. Brother Johnny, how do you know this? Well, I was a victim of devil oppression myself. Years and years, 19 years of my life was spent in the world in sin. Bound by the devil. He had come into my home, come into my community, robbed me of so much. My youth, my innocence, got my body familiar with drugs in my veins. Alcohol. I was an alcoholic at the age of 13. Not just a party, casual drinker, an alcoholic. I couldn't live without alcohol. I was 13 years a kid, bound by alcohol, bound with anger and rage because I was poor. Oh man, why did I have to be so poor? Hated the world. I used to steal and I used to rob people because I felt justified. Well, if I weren't born rich, I got to take from others. And this was the attitude. And I was going to hell swiftly. But guess what? One day God spoke to somebody in their prayer closet. And this person was told by God to put up a tent campaign, a camp meeting. This person did not even know who I was. God spoke to that person. That person was not a preacher. That person looked around for preachers. They got a preacher. They told the preacher, preacher, I want to put up a tent campaign. There's people that need the Lord. I cannot preach. I've got money. What can you do? The preacher said, well, guess what? I can preach. The preacher had no church. He was an evangelist. He went into the community. My community spoke to a local pastor. Can we use your church and use your congregation to be ushers, etc., to help facilitate a camp meeting in the soccer grounds. Yes, said the church pastor. And so it began. Different people put monies together. The band came together. And all they did was obey what God was saying. They knew that what was inside of them was precious. They knew that there was an urgency to do what needed to be done because the world was dying. And night after night, these people would preach and preach and preach. And I was nowhere near there. But the last night of the camp meeting, I walked there. And I was there for maybe 15, 20 minutes the most. And these people just preached the good old news, the gospel. They begin to share what God had placed in their hearts. They begin to speak about the love of God. The love of Jesus. I mean, these words seem powerless. These words were just normal. I mean, I'm like, I heard that before. John 3, 16, John 10, 10. I'm like, yeah, whatever. John 3, 3. I heard all those words before. But God began to breathe over those words. And suddenly, those words that seem powerless and boring, suddenly those words penetrated my heart. And they changed an entire life. They changed my destiny. And on that day, I was born again. They never get a prize for that. 
No, they never get no recognition for that. But guess what? A life was changed and a life was transformed. That's why I can tell you with much enthusiasm that there is power in the word of God. That word that you've got in your heart, there's power in that word. When you speak that word, guess what happens? Life takes place. When you speak that word, change takes place. When you speak that word, destinies are transformed. When you speak that word, I'm talking about a complete home is lifted up and the light of God shines in there and the amazing thing happens. Miracles take place when you speak the simplicity of God's word. As boring as it may sound sometimes. The power of God's word. But guess what? You've got to walk circumspectly before him. You've got to look at that treasure that you have been given by the Lord himself and take it seriously and walk softly before him. Samson was born. He was to be the judge of Israel. He's born Nazarite charged by God to help his people. The hope of the world has come. But Samson takes his eyes off the prize and he focuses on that which he was told not to focus on. And suddenly he sees attraction in the camp of the Philistines. He looks in there and he sees a lady, he likes her and he approaches her against that which God had placed in his heart. And so the spiral of going down begins. You see, as much as God can give you his word, as much as God can give you his presence, as much as God can give you his anointing, when you take your eyes off what Jesus has for you, you begin to go down. The Bible speaks of a man called Peter. They were in a boat. There was a storm. Jesus came, was walking on the waters. He saw Peter. Peter thought he was a ghost. Jesus says, hey, Peter, it's me. He beckons him, step out of the boat and begin to walk. And Peter steps out of the boat and Peter, as long as his eyes are focused on Christ, he's walking, he's walking, he's walking. But the moment Peter takes his eyes off Christ and begins to focus around him, this is what they're doing in the other churches. This is the new belief system, new age. This is the new way. Guess what? He begins to sink slowly. Is it possible to sink while Jesus is right there? Yes, it is. Is it possible to sink with the disciples, 11 of them, around you? That presence, is it possible to go down when I'm at church Sunday after Sunday? Is it possible to turn away from Jesus if my family or my parents are in leadership? Is it possible? Yes, it is. Is it possible to backslide with so much of the Bible being given, so much information on, you put on TV, there's a TBN, there's so much stuff happening about the goodness of God. Is it possible to fall and fail in that society or in that setting? Yes, it is. Peter was drowning. Jesus was right there. The disciples, 11 of them were right there. Peter who witnessed signs and wonders. Peter, who witnessed miracle after miracle. That same Peter was drowning in the presence of God. What's my challenge to you? My challenge to you is keep your focus on Jesus at all times. What was the warning? Beware, beware, beware. 
He's got to be a Nazarite. You've got to beware. You can't touch strong drink. Beware. You cannot touch his hair. Beware. You've got to walk circumspectly in God's presence. Because even though he's there, even though his anointing is there, even though the Holy Ghost is there, even though we've got all of these Bible versions, I mean, you can take a phone and click on any single thing and so many things of the Bible will come up, so many teachings will come up, profound men of God. You can, we've got access to them at our fingertips, but with all of that, we can still go down to hell. It is possible. Peter is drowning and Jesus is right there. But guess what he's got to do? Turn to Jesus. Save me. That's all he's got to do. Save me. And so we learn in the story of Samson. He begins this life of, he's arrogant and he's, he's pompous. He goes after these ladies who are ungodly, uncircumcised Philistines. They trick him. I mean, over and over and over. He gets warnings from his parents, but he continues to resist. As much as he's the hope of Israel, he's, I mean, he's failing bad. He's failing dismally. You know, he gets this other lady, her name was Delilah. He gets a hold of her. You know, he's comfortable, he's relaxed. He exposes himself because he's, he's relaxed. He's taken his focus off at work. When we did our training, the word that they use is, you've got to be switched on. They say, Johnny, remember that you are in a prison. You are in a jail. These, these guys are they, they nice guys. They, they can laugh with you. They can joke with you. But they are criminals. And they've got the ability to just turn on you. And they could stab you. They could, they could punch you. So you've got to be switched on in that setting. You've got to be switched on. Switched on. Sheep among the wolves. You've got to be switched on. Child of God, I'm challenging you. You've got to be careful in this world that we're living in the enemy. He goes around like a roaring lion at school, at university. Don't be so comfortable and come in a church. You've got to always be mindful to take your word and always remember, oh God, help me. I don't want to be like the other teenagers. I want to hold true to your word. I want to hold fast to your word. I don't want to just date any boy and any girl. No. I want to commit myself to your word and I will uh, lead my life according to your precepts don't ever come to a point where you're too comfortable oh i'm not gonna pray today why should i pray no you've got to be switched on you've got to be alert you've got to be on top of things because when you put your guard down when you don't do the full introspection as necessary guess what happens in comes the enemy he gets a foothold and then he's in the bible says of samson this lady, Delilah, had spoken to him and wooed him over time, softened him, softened him, and softened him. Eventually, he, he gave away his secret. He tells her, he says, you know what? Chapter 15, he says, you know what? You know what? This is my secret. If you cut all of my hair off, I'll be just like any other man. Hear those words. If you cut my hair off, I'll be the same as any other man. Now, you and I are not called to be like any other person. You and I are not called to be, to go with the flow. You and I are not called to roll with everybody else. When I got saved, I remember in the community of, everybody would steal in my community. All the boys my age, we were poor. So that's how we justified it. Everybody stole. 
Everybody lied. Everybody sinned with girls and did so much stuff. It was normal. I was the first boy to get saved in that little community. So guess what I had to do? I had to get up from being the same as anybody else. And I had to step out and be unique. When everybody was out in the streets partying, I had to be in my house. And I had to learn God's word. I'd be like, God, teach me how to pray. I had to be on my knees fasting and calling upon the Lord's name. Father God, I need financial supply. I used to steal for money, God. How do I get money now? My path had to change. There had to be an element of uniqueness. There had to be an element of going against the grain. There had to be some shock therapy to the system. In this world, but not of this world. Walking with them in the community, but not agreeing with what they're doing. I had to be the light in the darkness. That's you and that's me, sir. We cannot be the same like them who are in the world. We cannot be just any other Australian. You cannot be just any other student. You cannot be like any other parent. When I talk about safe schools, as a parent, you're going to say, no, not my child. Not the same, not the same, not the same. When the churches are preaching watered-down sermons, We've got to say, no, not this pulpit. When we are submitting ourselves or submitting the youth to worldliness and worldly music, we've got to say, no, not our youth. Somebody has got to make that distinction and be bold and brazen enough to be the unique one. Break those mindsets of the norm. Don't go with the flow. Don't agree with what they're doing. And so the Bible says, Samson tells her, I'll be the same like any other man. And of course, she cuts his hair. And she yells out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. The Philistines are upon you. And the Bible says, these scary words, Samson got up and he shook himself, but he did not know that the spirit of the Lord had left him. He had become the same as any other man. They took out his eyes, enslaved him, he worked for them. But the beauty of God is, God's grace is amazing. The opportunity for change with God is amazing. He's not like me and not like you. He forgives and he gives opportunity. And so Samson had the opportunity to call upon the name of his God. This morning, what am I saying to you? Maybe you have strayed in your heart and maybe you have partook in a bit of worldliness here and there. You've compromised and you've let yourself be lukewarm. Guess what? You've got the opportunity to make a U-turn. You've got the opportunity to correct that which was messed up. God gave me that grace when I first got saved. I was a confused young man. I had no clue what was going on. I lived life my own way and I was the same like anybody else. But God gave me the chance to be unique the chance to be peculiar, the chance to be different. And Samson that day, that opportunity, guaranteed one chance, not a second chance. One chance is guaranteed. Samson that day began to repent and he called upon the name of his God. He called upon the Father and he made right. He asked for one last, one last bit of strength, one last bout of energy. Let me obey you just this one last time. Let me stop them mocking you. Let me prevent this from happening. Give me the strength. This morning when you call upon the name of Jesus for strength to make a U-turn, he gives it to you. 
Father God, I've messed up. I've given myself into technology too much. Help me. I've compromised. I've stopped praying. Help me. I've stopped reading your word, Father. Help me. I'm not faithful in the house of the Lord no more, Father. Help me. Guess what he does? He hears from heaven and he heals the land. That's the God that I serve. He is real. He is evident. He's present. And his grace allows him to reach out and touch you, no matter how far you've strayed. This morning, Jesus, the one I'm talking about, is able to reach out to you, touch you, change you, and transform you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just like when I first got saved that many years ago, the preacher man spoke about the goodness of the Lord, spoke about the love of God, spoke about his mercy, and he gave us the opportunity. He says, if you want Jesus in your heart, if you want the change, he says, guess what? Call upon his name. This morning, I'm giving you that opportunity. If you're here, number one, and you're not born again, you're not saved, you're not a Christian, you've been invited by somebody, you have the opportunity this morning to call upon the name of Jesus, and yes, it's instant, you can be saved, and your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That can happen this morning. Number two, if you're a backslider, you're lukewarm, you're indifferent, guess what? If you call upon the name of Jesus, he hears you too. And he can save you, deliver you, and transform you because he's faithful. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're saying, preacher man, I want prayer. I need a touch from this Jesus you talk about. Guess what? Just put your hand up right there in your seat. No one looking around, and I'm going to pray for you. Just put it up and put it down again, and I'll pray for you. Just put your hand up there this morning. Thank you. Can I get another hand this morning? Just put it up high. Preacher man, I want prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you. Every head body, every eye closed. I'm going to call Pastor Gary to just come up to the front and help us pray this morning. Hallelujah. Father God, you're able, O oh God, to touch, change, and transform a nation. Perhaps this morning, O oh God, you could use a soul that's in this place. O oh God, we're trusting you this morning to begin to just touch and penetrate the hearts of every boy and girl, every man, every woman this morning, and begin to do your work. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing and what you're about to do. Father, we just, Lord, pray. My God, as you have spoken to hearts, Lord, as there's been a response, God, from, the, uh, from men and women, Lord, in this place, Lord, I pray, O oh God, that you would surely, Lord, bring salvation. Lord, you would bring deliverance. My God, you would bring healing, Lord. My God, I pray as we would turn, as we would yield, as we would surrender, my God, that you, by your Holy Spirit, God, would... Uh, uh, do a work, a deep work, Lord, in our hearts, my God, that we would, Lord, uh, be obedient, that we would, Lord, take heed. Lord, not just, Lord, God, be challenged, but God, be changed. Lord, that we would be transformed. And my God, I'm praying that the word that we have heard, Lord God, let us, Lord, walk from this place ever mindful as we go about, Lord, from day to day. Lord, let us, Lord, uh, walk circumspectly. My God, let us walk worthy. Let us walk in a manner, God, that is acceptable in your sight. My God, and that you would, Lord, work in us and through us to the glory of God. Father, we ask your grace. We ask, Lord, for your mercy. My God, and ask, Lord, that we would continue to walk in the power, God, of your Holy Spirit. Lord, in the name of Jesus, use us, Lord God, to glorify your name. 
And Lord, I pray that you would use us individually, Lord, collectively, to, Lord, do your will. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.